You're listening to the Nurture Project podcast with Sophie Dale. So today um, for the Nurture Project podcast, I'm really pleased to be talking to Mara Glatzel. So welcome to the podcast, Mara. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So what I would like to do before we kind of dive into redefining what self-care is and unpicking it a little bit, I'd love to find out a bit about your own journey to doing this work. Um, what, What brought you here? Yeah, uh, what I thought brought me to this work um, was a burnout, like a pretty supreme burnout that I experienced in 2011. And I was in grad school, becoming a social worker. I had, you know, a full practice of uh, clients that I was seeing in therapy and um, was really busy. I was planning my wedding. I was like trying to get a job, doing all these things. And I got so burnt out that I'd never been so burnt out in my life. And, you know, I would say that my set point at that time kind of hovered around burnout, but this was like a full depletion. And I just couldn't figure out how to do the work that I was doing and also have any time to take care of myself. I didn't, I didn't, my my schedule was packed completely full and I was eating things while I was running from one place to the next and checking my email while I was brushing my teeth and I didn't ever sleep and, you know, I was just really busy and, and doing what I thought was good and right. You know, what I had been raised to do, which was to be busy and to achieve and perform at a certain level and create a life that looked really good, um, even though it felt horrible inside. And so I started my business um, and, and really focused a lot around body image and self-care and fully inhabiting your body and taking care of the body that you have. And as I started doing that work, I realized that underneath my lack of self-care was a lot of perfectionism and people pleasing and a, um, like a very base level belief that who I was wasn't good enough. And so I was always hemorrhaging a ton of energy into micromanaging how other people perceived me through being, you know, very careful about absolutely everything I said and absolutely everything I did. And, and, you know, also being in a larger body over the course of my life, this compounded it because I felt like I had to make up for that, apologize for that. And again, none of that was really conscious. It was just the way that I, grew up the way that, you know, the conditioning that I received, the messages I received about my body and I, they just took root in me and carried forward. So that's why now, you know, when I work with humans around self-care, the the self-care is kind of just the test area for the deeper work that we're, that we're doing. Right. It's like, you know, it's, it's not about, I mean, it is about the water because why are we not drinking enough water? That's a very important question that I have every single day. Um, cause it's like, we all know, but we're not doing it, but it's not really about the water. It's like, why do I not have time, bandwidth, capacity, a relationship with myself to the point where I acknowledge my own thirst. I get up from my seat. I feel like I have access to my own energy and attention. Um, to like walk from here 20 feet to the water filter, fill my cup up and come back. And I think, 
you know, what I know from my own story and what I know from doing this work now with thousands of people um, is that we're not idiots, right? We're not taking care of ourselves for very important, valid, and real to us reasons. And so it's about the water, but it's also, it's about how you are allowing yourself to show up in the world and in your relationships and in the workplace and in your own body. And, um, and it was like that for me as well. Mm. So a lot of deep, deep work under the surface. Um, one of the things that I do want to get to is, is understanding when you say self-care, what you mean by self-care, because it is more than just thinking about the water. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so for me, self-care is really about tending to yourself, right? To your vast, multifaceted self. And I include in that your physical body, but also your emotional body, your mental body, spiritual body, energetic body as well. And I, it's relational. So, you know, the most supreme self-care practice, in my opinion, is building a relationship with yourself where you're checking in. Because picking things off of a self-care menu or, you know, finding a listicle of 10 ways to take better care of yourself, it will only take you so far. And what I find with a lot of people is that they try those things, they kind of ring hollow for them, they don't really work, and then they deem this whole self-care thing a waste of their time and their energy which is a shame because, you know, you have needs that may not be represented on this list. And that doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you, anything wrong with your needs, or really anything wrong with the list, except that it's not for you specifically. And self-care has to be, it's relational, it's responsive, it's checking in with yourself and asking yourself, how am I doing right now? Like, how do I feel? What do I need? And it's basic, again, but it's deep because, as I said, we don't check in with ourselves for many reasons. We don't feel safe in our bodies for many reasons. And so rebuilding a relationship with ourselves so that we are going from self-abandonment to radiant self-trust requires some attention and some work and some healing, certainly. and. And so many of those moments where we're willing to just turn towards ourselves and be in the discomfort of maybe I want something or I need something that's not available to me in this moment. You know, I think we're, we're experiencing a lot of this right now in the middle of this pandemic, right? I, I want and need things that I am not able to have. And how can I be with myself in that discomfort versus, you know, kind of jet out of it because I'm like, oh, this doesn't feel good. I'm going to numb in all of these ways which isn't to say that numbing is always bad sometimes i think you know we very reasonably need to numb especially with the amount of things that are going on right now but again the act of participation the choice to numb for example versus the this is what i do when i'm overwhelmed i don't even have a choice it just is my life is happening to me so when i talk about self care um you know, it's like, it's problematic because what self-care has, has come to mean is pretty trite. And a lot of people are turned off by like the, the term, but 
I believe in the concept of caring for yourself. And so I stick with it and I, you know, I'm a Pisces. I have a big imagination. Words only mean so much as we personally define them for ourselves. And that's the work that I seek to do is like, how can we understand what it means to take care of ourselves? Like to really take care of ourselves and to look out for ourselves and stay by our own side and to cultivate this relationship with ourselves where we know that we're going to have our own back no matter what. Mm, I feel like one of the most radical things I've started doing in the last few months is just asking myself every now and then, what do I need right now? And mm-hmm. that, that's been huge. Um, and sometimes what I need is something that I can't get, um, as you say, but sometimes what I need is, it is a glass of water or it is, I need to go and lie down for 10 minutes and close my eyes and then everything else will seem easier. Um, Mm -hmm. and yet it's so strange to me that that should be such a radical thing to do. You know, our whole culture is set up against you doing that. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. You know, I, I always have conversations with my clients. They're like, So like, you're talking about building a relationship with myself. Don't I, I mean, I'm with myself all day long. Don't I have a relationship with myself? And the answer is categorically no. Um, Which, you know, is a real paradigm shift because what am I doing if I'm not relating to myself all day? Which, I mean, is really my question too. What are we doing if we're not actually being in relationship with ourselves over the course of the day? And you're right, you know, the entire world is set up for us to mistrust ourselves and to um, not just like not deepen into a relationship with ourselves. And it makes us, you know, productive for somebody else. It makes us, you know, easy to sell to. Um, there are, there, there are many people who benefit from our lack of connection with ourselves and we're not one of them. Right. So, so much about this work is really reclaiming that relationship with yourself and making the choice to really um, embody your life uh, instead of waiting until your life looks like somebody else, wishing your life looked like somebody else, holding yourself, comparing yourself to this idealized version of yourself that lives in your mind, it's a figment of your imagination and social conditioning and like really getting down with what you have going on right now, what is around you. Um, You know, a lot of people will come to me and say, well, yeah, I would take better care of myself. You know, if I had a couple weeks free on my calendar or, um, you know, $20,000 in the bank or this was easier and that, that sure. Me too. And also that day is not, I mean, and maybe not, right? Maybe not. If I didn't do this work, I probably would fritter that opportunity away. Just like I have many others. Uh, You know, I'm really invested in doing this work right now. And, you know, especially right now, it's like, it's a pandemic. I'm at home. I have a one-year-old. I have a four-year-old. My partner and I both work for ourselves it's a hot mess. It's literally a hot mess because it's like 95 degrees every day. (laughs) And it would be so easy to say, not right now, not this season. It can wait till 2020. But, you know, I lost 
30 years of my life that way. And I'm willing to bet that there are people listening to this who have lost many years of their life that way too, always postponing their own care until the conditions were more ideal. And, and I just don't anticipate anymore that that's coming. Like, I love that. That was like such a seductive and lovely vision. It kept me warm for a very long time, but ultimately um, it kept me from getting my needs met and I grieve it, but I had to part ways with it. Yeah. The cavalry really isn't coming. <laughs> no. um, now, one of the reasons I particularly wanted to talk to you is I know that you've been working on your own book um, over the last while. And um, obviously what I do is work with writers. Um, and I feel like self-care and also nurturing and tending to your own creativity are the kind of missing links for a lot of people and the thing that's holding them back from writing. Um, and causing them to, to feel like they've got writer's block when actually they're exhausted and mm -hmm. they're not tending to their own creativity first. But I would love to talk to you a bit about um, how you found the process of writing and what adjustments you needed to make to how you cared for yourself or what kind of expectations you set for yourself and that kind of thing in the writing process. Yeah. So there's two kind of tracks to this. The first is the like mindset piece and the second is the practical piece. And so practically, I've been look, I've been trying to write a book for 15 years. Um and 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 I have written two books of almost 100,000 words in that time that I did not do anything with. So this is now the third book <laughs> of approximately 100,000 words that I've written in this time and the only book that will see the light of day, or at least in this iteration. And um, what I did differently uh, was that I asked myself what I needed. And what I really hate about writing is how lonely it feels. And actually now that I'm, I'm like over the hump and into it, I don't mind the loneliness, but getting into it, it felt like I was going to this like abandoned room by myself, just to like work it out with myself. And it felt horrible. And what I really wanted was to collaborate with somebody as much as that's possible. So the pandemic came and my younger sister's daycare was closed because of the pandemic. And I basically <laughs> said, I need you to sit next to me and like hold my hand and feed me snacks for two, you know, two mornings a week for a couple of hours. And that's what she did. And I also needed her to read it and to tell me that it was good while I was writing it. I mean, she didn't do that part so well because she's very honest and there were a lot of edits that needed to be made. But, uh, but yeah, I was like, I need both like, company and also positive affirmation. And again, that comes out of being in relationship with myself and knowing like, wow, okay, this is kind of, I had been trying to, to go it alone for such a long time. It felt, and that, that loneliness was stopping me um, because I would get so mired down in my own self-doubt that it just became too loud and I just would become paralyzed. But with somebody else around, I could really keep the energy moving. Um, the second practical piece is that I had to ask my partner for, in addition to, you know, working on my business, this like extra time, um, to, to work and, you know, my partner loves me. She's super supportive of me. Um, but 
you know, it's a pandemic, two kids, they're, they're like a lot, my kids are a lot right now. Um, and so, you know, I had to push past a lot of days knowing she was annoyed. It was, you know, all in, it didn't take that long, couple months, but still it's, you know, a lot of mornings to take care of the kids on top of both of us trying to do our jobs. So, you know, I had to ask for help essentially to get it done. And I think that's really important to mention because a lot of us have such a fraught relationship with asking for help. And I was not able, I would never be able with the circumstances of my life right now to do a project of this magnitude without asking for a lot of people's help to the point where I felt uncomfortable asking and receiving and I did it anyway. Second piece is that mindset piece. And, you know, such an important thing to understand about getting your needs met is that we get into this loop where we don't ask for what we need. So we don't get what we need. So we assume what we need isn't valid, doesn't matter. Maybe we don't matter. Um, and then of course, then we don't ask for what we need. We get like kind of locked in there. And also part of what happens in that loop is when we don't get what we need, we're impacted by that mentally. You know, one of the most important signs of depletion or burnout or exhaustion is you start feeling really fragile. You start, I mean, I thought my self-doubt, my emotional fragility were like these things about me, these like characteristics about me. What I didn't understand was that there were symptoms of my burnout. And so, you know, taking care of myself does not eliminate my self-doubt. I want to be clear, like my self-doubt persists, but when I'm taking care of myself, when I'm getting enough rest, when I'm drinking enough water, when, you know, I have like a litany of tools that I'm <laughs> taking at all times that support me in multitude of ways. Um, my vitamins, my like all kinds of stuff, uh, rescue remedy. Um, when I'm when I'm like paying attention to and taking care of myself, I have the internal awareness to say, you know, that's a part of me, but that's not me. Um, that's coming up for me, but that doesn't mean I should stop this writing project, right? It gives me that maneuverability within my own headspace that I didn't have otherwise. And also it allows me to see that, that the presence of that self-doubt means I'm tired and not that, you know, I'm a shitty writer that I should never work on this project. I don't know if I'm even allowed to swear here, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, they're like, this is like a non-starter. I should be embarrassed, pack up, go home, all that. Having that, that space and that um, presence of mind really, really, really supported me through this project through, I mean, I like put myself out there for a living. So I need that all the time um, because otherwise the fear is too loud. It feels too real and it feels too true. Yeah. No, I think what, what we underestimate is the difference between our resourced self and our unresourced self. And, yeah. and that those are, those people have things in common. They're related to one another, but they're not the same person. Um, and, um, yeah, I think that's huge. Um, well, especially if it's been so long since we've met our resourced selves. Yeah. Right. We told maybe like, maybe we don't even know there's this version of us that feels so much more resilient and capable and we're not going to know until we w try to take care of ourselves. Right. I think that 
I don't know, it's too easy to imagine like, oh, that's just for them. Like that's what they feel like when they take care of themselves. That's not even possible for me. So why bother? Yeah. Yeah. So if somebody who's listening to this is currently feeling overwhelmed, maybe they are burning out or they're on the edge of burnout, um, what would be one small shift that you could suggest to them? Because obviously it can be overwhelming to think of trying to do everything. Um, where, where could they start? Uh, drink the water. Um, <laughs> I mean, yes, please drink the water. Drink the water helps so much. Uh, but I would, I would suggest starting with a check-in first thing in the morning. And, um, you know, there's catchy ways to keep this in mind, like check in on yourself before you check in on your phone or check in on Instagram or I don't know, um, check in on everybody else around you if you're me. Right. Um, and, and really thinking about it from that perspective of like, what do I need today? And what is doable? Because a lot of times, like, what I need are, you know, the list might be very long, and I may, might have only a very small amount of available space uh, or energy. And so that second piece is really important. It's like, what do I need? And also, what's doable today? Um, and when I say check in, what I really mean is scanning my, my body and my mind. It's like, how does my body feel? How do, how do, how do I feel emotionally? How do I feel energetically? How do I feel mentally? Like what's going on? Uh, and I have basically two settings, which is like robust and like fragile. Uh, so, you know, when I take stock of knowing which, which like kind of spot I'm in, um, I can plan accordingly. And the more you do it, the more information you know. It's like now I know when I'm fragile, I can just take the day off because like when I'm in that robust energy, I'm going to get two, three times what I would get done otherwise. So like the more you do it, the more you can trust your own natural energy rhythms. Mm, that's been huge for me as well, realizing that, that the energy you save by not pushing through is worth everything and much, much more than what you will achieve in the process of pushing through. Okay, well, thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Nurture Project podcast. If you enjoyed this, please make sure to check out the other episodes.